This Week in HPC. IBM and NVIDIA pick up two pieces of coral. And a look ahead to SC14. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, it's Friday, November 14th, and we are on our way to supercomputing. We're going to be off to New Orleans here. Yes, indeed we are. It's, it's exciting. I can't wait to see you there live in person. We'll do a couple of extra special podcasts while we're at the show, as usual. And these will be distributed and part of our new partnership with Top 500. But before we get to all of that news, Michael, uh, we always hope that some big news will actually creep out before the show. And in this case, we've got it. A big news announcement going today. We talked before about the Department of Energy's CORAL initiative, the collaboration of Oak Ridge, uh, Argonne, and Livermore to bring in the, the United States uh, pre-exascale systems in around the 2017 timeframe. And two of those systems have been announced that they'll be going to IBM with a great deal of contribution from NVIDIA. Right. These are the, like you said, the pre-exascale systems. They'll be uh, 100 petaflops, maybe 200, 300 petaflops in some cases. So they're very powerful systems. And like you said, these first two that have been announced uh, today are going to be powerful with the uh, the future IBM Power chips, Power 9, and the future NVIDIA chips, actually the Volta architecture, which is a couple generations out from, from where we're talking now, a lot, of, a lot of future chips we're talking about 2017 timeframe. So these are uh, very powerful uh, technology and, and systems that uh, are going to be deployed there. Now, we're talking about two separate systems here. One system, codenamed Summit, is going into Oak Ridge National Labs, and uh, according to the release, will deliver 150 to 300 peak petaflops. Um, we're talking about that in contrast to Tianhe 2 in China's at 55 peak petaflops, but there's also time elapsed from there to here. I don't think we can guarantee even that this will be the, the most powerful system in the world when it's deployed. There could be another faster one that comes out between now and then. Yeah, and I would I would assume actually by that time China itself will have a, uh, a multi-hundred petaflop uh, system uh, on the on the list as well. Possibly, depending on how the Chinese administration moves forward with its own supercomputing plans, that's a little bit in doubt, but certainly possible. Then the second of the coral systems here is the system going into Livermore, which is codenamed Sierra. That one, uh, the release says, will be at a 100 peak petaflop, so a little smaller than the Summit system, maybe a slightly different focus uh, for that system at Livermore. And I think it's noteworthy that in IBM's releases talk, Talking about these systems, IBM is really using these systems as an anchor point for their vision going forward for data-centric computing architectures. Right, that's sort of the, the different side to it. I mean, Nvidia talks about this from a very flop-centric point of point of view. They talk a lot about the power of these systems from from floating point, but uh, like you said, from IBM, this is sort of the inaugural. Uh, 
platforms for their data-centric model now, which uh, is, is going to start something quite different for them from the way they've done supercomputing in the past. The emphasis here is on how to do the data movement and how to process that data rather than the uh, the flop count. So there's going to be a, a lot of memory and, and, and flash in this thing, uh, multi-petabytes actually in, in this one, and a different architecture as far as the, the storage, how the storage is connected to the processing here. So that'll be almost the more interesting part of this in, in what we've seen before, although they're not going to release a lot of details on what that's going to look like uh, today or even maybe at, at SC. It, it is the first platform of this, this new model that IBM's putting forward. Right. IBM not really announcing a new architecture here, but I think in the way that the first BlueGene product was an iconic vision statement for them, and they did come forward eventually with a product line that was based on that original code name BlueGene system, the same thing could happen here where IBM uses some new technologies in these first deployments and turns it into something that's repeatable at a data center level, especially with regards to the integration of compute and storage. I think we can casually talk about moving compute to the data rather than data to the compute, but you know, you're fooling yourself a little bit when you say that, right? The, the, the compute elements don't get up and walk around. The hardware is where it is. What you can do is, is locate it better, more intelligently, so that a consolidated workflow can move more optimally through a system without unnecessary data movement. And I think that's what IBM is really talking about here. Yeah, and also you have to keep in mind here, I mean, they're talking about Power 9 and, and the Volta GPU as sort of the you know, the anchor of this. I mean, these are going to be two of the most powerful CPUs and GPUs respectively in that time frame, and and they're all about performance. So it, it, it's it's not just about the data centricity. I mean, there's at the center of this is, is actual technology performance. Yeah, now not to be lost in all this is we do need to talk about performance here. I mean, these are supercomputers, for crying out loud. I, I don't want to get to where the whole supercomputing industry is big data, right? There has to be room for supercomputing, and, and if Oak Ridge and Livermore aren't doing supercomputing, I don't know who, who is. And NVIDIA's been very clear about that in terms of their role with their Volta processors, and especially the role of NVLink in, uh, in delivering uh, the data to those uh, computing elements in a much more streamlined fashion. Yeah, and certainly it's going to be floating point performance, too. I mean, these are, these are going to be simulations of, of, of physics and other things that require a lot of floating point muscle. So that, that part of it doesn't go away. I think overlaid on top of that now is this, uh, this data centricity, which, which just is another facet of, of performance or how it, how it enhances or limits performance. So it's, it's not really one or the other. It's just another facet that's been, that's been added on top of supercomputing that's now become much, much more important. Now, of these two systems, Summit, the system at Oak Ridge, this is the one that uh, is being touted as an open science supercomputer that's going to have a lot of different types of scientific applications, as you were just saying, with regards to the floating point uh, performance, all the different physics applications. Sierra at Livermore, that system is going to have a, a slightly tighter focus looking at national security issues. Um, you know, this is all underneath DOE, of course, right. uh, but, uh, but I I think you can look at some security types of applications at Livermore on that system there. Right, including their, their mission to do uh, weapons uh, simulations for their uh, we nuclear weapons stockpile program there.
Now, of course, the, the other big thing that DOE said with the CORAL initiative is that these are intended as so-called pre-exascale systems, which is to say they're not all the way up to exascale today, but we're going to start incorporating technologies that we think will carry us forward to exascale. And in that light, I think you have to look at this as a huge win for open power in general, not just with NVIDIA, but IBM in particular in this new era for this company after moving the x86 servers off to Lenovo, I, we've heard a lot of people asking us, do we think IBM is still in the HPC industry? I think we can underline that with an emphatic yes. They might be talking about it in a data-centric way, but I, I mean, you put 300 petaflops into the Department of Energy, I think you're doing supercomputing. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I think people were maybe a little confused or maybe wondering about what IBM uh, would come up with post Blue Gene. And, uh, you know, I always thought it would, it would be something like this, certainly as, with the foundational architecture as, as power and with, uh, with accelerator technology. Now, this is probably not going to be the only accelerator technology in GPUs that's connected to, uh, to power systems. They're going to come out with a lot of, uh, or maybe not a lot, but a number of different acceleration uh, uh, accelerators on top of the open power uh, platform, but this is certainly one of those, and it's certainly going to be you know, well applied in the supercomputing industry. Now, there's no announcement yet on what will happen with the third system as part of the CORAL initiative. There, we're, we're still another system going to R. We did know in, in the CORAL program that they didn't want to have uh, all three systems be the same architecture, so there'd be a fair bet at this point that the, the third system going to Argon has some x86 components in, in there somewhere. It, it probably won't be another open power system, but in the near term, IBM with a lot of components from NVIDIA, the, you know, the Power9, the NVIDIA Volta uh, going with the first two-thirds of these CORAL systems. Yep, good news for IBM and NVIDIA. All right. Well, I think that's going to be a, a big topic when we get to New Orleans next week. Uh, these won't be on the top 500 list right away, of course. These are 2017 systems, but we always have a lot of fun at supercomputing. Let's talk about a couple of things that will be going on there. I know we're going to talk about top 500. We don't know yet exactly what's going to happen. I don't know of a whole lot of shift at the top, but I guess we can always get surprised when the new list comes out, and we'll certainly be covering that top 500 has had some news of its own. Uh, for those of our, our listeners who've noticed who go to the web for our podcast, we've announced a new market research partnership with Top 500, and this is the newly relaunched Top 500, a really streamlined website that's got a lot more year-round news on it. Yeah, it's a very nice, new, modernized website. It's easy to navigate now. And like you said, there's there's new content there. And uh, looks like there's going to be a lot of more interesting content in the uh, the months and years to come. So, yeah, take a look. And it's it's great to kind of partner with these guys and have our, our podcast and some of our other work uh, go out with them. Going forward, we're going to be selecting overviews from our research as we go and using that to generate a series of other sorts of top lists that we can generate from our research. And uh, the readers of top500.org will be able to uh, go there and find those. What else are we looking forward to at uh, Supercomputing this week, Michael? I, I know you were talking about the keynote coming up. Right, the keynote. This could be Brian Green, who is sort of... Uh 
a popular theoretical physicist, if such a thing's not an oxymoron. Um, <laughs> he's written. Some, I think they have a set of trading cards now. Yeah, I mean, he's actually written some popularized books on physics. I mean, he's the guy that uh, is is big on string theory and super string theory. He's also interested in this multiverse, multi, multiple universe ideas, and just uh, sort of the the unified theory of physics in general. So he's written a, a lot of. Uh, there are popular books on that, and I assume that's what he's going to be talking about a lot at during his keynote, and somehow weave the fact that advanced computing is sort of, a, you know, a partner in in pushing some of these uh, research forward as well. So, but it's going to be more about I think the the user end side of it and sort of the importance of physics to to the world. I just heard it here. I don't need to go to the keynote, Michael. I just got the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, there you go. I think actually, if if you guys are are interested in this, read some of Brian's books. I mean, they're very interesting and they're they're very mind blowing. You start to think about, you know, we don't have the only universe in in existence here, and how there can be, you know, multiple other universes doing very different things than than what's going on here, and and this whole super string theory about, you know billions of dimensions that we don't even know about. It's, it, it sort of is just uh, things you just normally don't think about and just uh, sort of bend your, bend your head around. It really is a mind-blowing kind of topic, and it's a great topic to have as a keynote at supercomputing, especially with the overall theme for this show, for people who are seeing this hashtag HPC Matters. HPC Matters has been a, a pervasive theme for the show this year. Uh, I, I met with uh, Trish Damkroger last week at my meeting in Washington, and uh, she's the SC chair. She's got these stickers with HPC matters that are going out everywhere. I'm happy to see it. And I think for the first time, we've got a, a plenary talk as part of the general press activities on Monday, where Eng Lim Goes, a chief technology officer at SGI, is going to give uh, his view on HPC matters. Right. It's it's a new thing. It looks like they're going to start. And this will be the first time, the first session they're going to do. It's called The Importance of Supercomputers in Society. And, and yeah, like you said, I think it's mainly oriented towards the press. I mean, it's sort of a... For, for the rest of us, or for certainly the industry here, it's sort of singing to the choir. We know the importance of supercomputing to society, but uh, it, the word always doesn't get out. So hopefully uh, the press will attend that and, and uh, report on some of the important things that sort of go by the wayside that we take for granted. But uh, in a sense, I think these sessions are actually better placed at other other types of uh, conferences and exhibitions than here where they can actually reach people that, that aren't aware of this at all, that, that they don't know about supercomputing technology and, and know about some of the the, the research and, and the engineering that this thing is behind. Um, but it's it's good to have it here, and it's good to give it some visibility, certainly. Yeah, I take your point that uh, people who are at supercomputing tend to usually know that HPC matters and what things it's used for. But I think for these general press sessions, uh, it can be very effective. Now, for me, my take on HPC matters. It's not the HPC where there's the whole lot of heroism. It's in the what people are doing with HPC. That's where I get excited is looking at the applications, the new levels of innovation that come out, not even just from the top 10 supercomputers in the world, but at every level, we always see exciting development, exciting new products, exciting innovations. That's what keeps me in this industry. What's Horst Simon going to talk about? You were flagging that one as something you were interested in. Right. He's, he's going to give a talk on basically what's, what's going to go on after Moore's Law. I mean, this talk is called Usable Exascale and Beyond Moore's Law. And uh, he's going to focus on how sort of the, 
performance increases have been slowing down as sort of Moore's law itself winds down over the next uh, several years and what to expect uh, after that happens. And also about this transition from compute-centric to sort of data-movement-centric computing and how that kind of factored in as well. And then talk about some of the alternatives, uh, alternative computing models like quantum computing and neuromorphic computing, which we've been hearing about more and more, how, how that's going to sort of fold into this. It's, it's sort of an interesting time, and it sounds like Horst is going to sort of hit on those topics and, and how that's going to sort of relate to this post-Moore's Law era. A really interesting time, and anyone who wants to go and read my blog posted on the new top500.org entitled Beyond Beowulf, uh, that's uh, exactly the point I'm getting to with the fact that I, I think really the industry is at a tipping point now where multi-core and many-core and other processing options and architectures coming into the market is taking us from an era of commoditization and industry standards to one more of specialization. Uh, and uh, that dovetails very nicely into what Horst is talking about there. I'll probably ask a question related to that of my panelists in my analyst crossfire panel, which I'm thrilled to be bringing back to supercomputing. Anyone who wants to come see that live, it'll be Wednesday at uh, 1030 in the morning, but we'll do a video recording of that also. And I'm excited about the panelists that I have have lined up. I've got Jorg Leblonsky from Boeing and Bill Kramer from NCSA taking the two user chairs. And then on the vendor side, Gilad Shainer from Mellanox and Sumit Gupta from NVIDIA, all great people whose uh, opinions I respect. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Michael, you look at some of the other panels as well. Yeah, yours actually. I'm looking forward to that. That's shaping up to be a great panel. But yeah, there's a there's quite a few panels there. I'm there's actually not one that I wouldn't go to if I had the time. I, of course, I won't be able to go to all. You don't of these. have the time. I guess you're yeah. busy, man. Yeah. Look into your calendar right here. One that I, I would really like to go to, but probably won't, but everybody else should, is, is one on HPC productivity or performance, called HPC productivity or performance, choose one. And that's sort of all about the tension between performance and productivity in the sense that um, you can make something easy to program or you can make the system you know high performance, but often those two notions are at odds. Not always. Sometimes they can go together. But in the absolute sense, they, they do tend to be at odds. And, and what sort of trade-offs do you have to make to make something productive versus performance? And what are you trying to do with this system? So that panel should be very interesting. It has some uh, – uh, it's going to be hosted by uh, William Harriet at, at – uh, at DOE, and uh, a lot of interesting people on that panel, including William Gropp, Thomas Sterling, and Satoshi Matsuoko. Um, some, I think that's a, a good one to go for. Uh, there's a number of others also that look interesting. There's Besides yours on Analyst Crossfire, of course, there's also one on can we avoid building an exascale stunt machine. There's actually people who want to do that. <laughs> I think no, that's a good idea. No, you can't. Someone's going to build an exascale stunt machine. Sorry right. to tell you. I mean, we can avoid building it, but somebody will build it probably. I, I, will, I will not build one myself. I, I will I, avoid building one myself. I, I, I can't promise, stop anyone else. I also promise not to build one, so there's there's two of us. But somebody, I think you're right, somebody will build one, but that might be okay as long as as long as long everybody doesn't build a stunt machine. That, that'll be okay. So that'll be an interesting panel. Um, there's also one on multi-system supercomputing procurements. Is it even a good idea? We just talked about the Corral program that basically was a an example of that, and there's there's some other examples in the DOE and maybe some other places, and sort of there's trade-offs to be had there. 
Uh, so there's a panel on talking about some of the advantages and disadvantages of, of these multi-system supercomputers. Uh, there's also one on beyond von Neumann, uh, the neuromorphic systems and architectures. Again, we've heard a lot about these neuromorphic systems, and I think we're going to hear a lot more about them as, as, uh, as uh, analytics becomes much more of a of an application area in supercomputing. So that, that's a, a topic that's going to be discussed in a panel on Friday. And also there's one on Friday as well from ROI from academic supercomputing, a, sort of a hard case to make in, in some cases in the academic community, but there's going to be a panel discussion on that. Uh, and there's a bunch I haven't mentioned, but those, those kind of caught my eye certainly. And I uh, wish I could go to all of them, but uh, for those of you who have that time, I would I would uh, recommend taking a look at all those. I will take that into consideration, Michael, as we plan out all of our calendars for the whole analyst team for Intersect 360 Research. Of course, we should also mention the Startup HPC event again on Monday. We talked about that in detail on last week's This Week in HPC podcast. That was last week in HPC. You know? <laughs> right. And then, you know, of course, the last thing I would bring up is the great thing about supercomputing is how it brings the whole community together. And, and just seeing people at the various networking receptions, whether it's the vendors sponsored receptions during the week or, or other things that you get to just seeing people out on the show floor I find as being the most valuable thing in the in the industry just making all those connections and we'll lead off the week on Monday afternoon with our own reception at Intersect 360 Research uh, SC14 kickoff networking reception from 12 to 3 in the afternoon that's at Mulates at 201 Julia Street which is across from the north end of the convention center so drop by that if you can, and I really urge everyone to attend the Beowulf Bash, which will be Monday night from 9 p.m. to midnight at Mardi Gras World across from Hall J. Marty, I love the Beowulf Bash every year. It's a, it's a terrific party, and it's an open community event. It's We're the cornerstone sponsors this year, but it also has gold-level um, sponsorship from, um, from AMD, from NetApp, from Penguin about 25 other sponsors underneath below that. It means that everybody can attend the whole community. Yeah, those sound good. It's always it's always nice to have that. And it seems like this year, especially, there's more networking opportunities and parties than ever before. Maybe that's my imagination, but it seems like there's going to be a lot of interesting uh, parties after hours and even before hours going on at SC14 this year. Well, it's New Orleans, so we got to try to keep a hold of ourselves a little <laughs> yeah. bit. It's a dangerous place to go have a conference. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. It's a lot of fun as always. I still got a little bit more work to do before I can get on the plane, Michael. But uh, what can I say? I'm looking forward to seeing you and all of our listeners there. Me as well. It's, it's going to be a great conference, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right, listeners, stay tuned for special podcasts live from SC14 in New Orleans. But for now, we're getting ready to travel. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 